Coming up this week on Breaking Badness, today we discuss Ballad Target Acquired, how the Kimsuki threat group always gets the right victims. Next up, Octopus's Garden, a look at the phishing campaign effort to steal Octa security credentials. And our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 130, recorded on August 29th, 2022. I'm your co-host, Callie, punny girl, Fensel. With me is co-host Tim, don't call me Tim Suki, Helming. And last but not least, Ian, Tentacool Campbell. Welcome, everybody. Hey, how's it going? Thank you, thank you. Happy to be here. Yes, thank you, thank you, uh, and thank you to uh, to Ian uh, stepping in for Taylor Wilkes Pierce uh, as uh, he he is out again this week, but no worries, he will be back eventually, and uh, and we're so grateful that that you could be here today. Well, they're they're big shoes to fill, but I'll try. You got ah, this. you do a great you job. It's so this. good to have you back again, Ian. I uh, I myself have a new microphone. Very exciting. I feel like I'm definitely part of this now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> you, you really feel like a podcaster when you start buying gear. I know. I felt very cool at the store. Um, so we will we will be testing this out today. It'll be great. Did you uh, did you tell the cashier to listen to Breaking Badness? Um, I you know what? I didn't. Um, I should have. I will say when I went to go get my physical um, I was wearing my Breaking Badness hoodie and I got to tell all of them about it. Oh, so, excellent. So. <laughs> okay. Well, so those are healthcare providers. So we'll do some articles on uh, healthcare. So if you, if Callie's providers are listening, don't yes. worry, uh, we'll, we'll get you some healthcare content real soon. And I, I oh, come like on. There's healthcare. no security problems in healthcare. No. Oh, I forgot. That's true. They're yeah, perfect. <laughs> it's not ripe for the picking at all. But how about this? How about we um, we jump into this week's article? So the first one is Valid Target Acquired, which is the North Korean um, Kimsuki threat actors um, who are going to great lengths to ensure that uh, malicious payloads are only downloaded by valid targets and and not the systems and not the systems of security researchers. Um, so Tim, from a marketing perspective, it sounds like Kim Suki is killing it. You know, going after the most valid targets just makes good business sense. Um, but maybe to start, uh, let's talk about, you know, who exactly is Kim Suki? Yeah. So for those who haven't been following all the different so-called APT or state-sponsored threat actor groups, Kim Suki is, as you alluded to in the intro, an activity group that's attributed to North Korea. Uh, and according to CISA, they've been around since around 2012. Their main objective has been intelligence gathering. So this isn't a basic crimeware, ransomware type of outfit. And they go after groups like think tanks or government orgs or uh, even individuals that they see as having high value intelligence for them to go steal. That's that's interesting. So I guess um, that kind of begs the question, what what exactly is that valid target. So like, how do they determine what is high value intelligence? Yeah. So I'll, to go a little bit deeper on their victimology, they primarily target three countries, South Korea, 
Japan and the United States. And then as to what sorts of individuals they're going after. So the article in Bleeping Computer that we'll link to in the show notes refers to politicians, diplomats, university professors, and journalists as the victims of a spear phishing campaign that Kaspersky was looking at. So uh, now we don't know exactly how they decide which specific people to go after, but we do know that they make that decision. So, you know, presumably they've got people who spend a lot of energy researching who would make a good target. That's interesting. So they know who they want to target, um, but how exactly do they carry out this scheme? Yeah, so as I mentioned, it does begin with spear phishing emails. And as is so often the case, the email contains a link. Uh, but here is where it gets interesting because what the would-be victim actually uh, gets to from that link depends on whether they're one of the targets on the list. So the link goes to a, initially a command and control server, uh, which checks some parameters like the recipient email address, what OS they're on, and then it also uploads this text file called who.txt. Uh, but then there's a second stage that does additional validation, this time checking their IP address. So here they have some logic that decides whether it's a valid victim or not. And if it is valid, it downloads a malicious document. Uh, and then if they're not, it downloads a benign one. Pretty clever, huh? That is so clever. And uh, I, I just have to know, like, th so that sounds like a lot of if-then planning on their part. So if you're deemed a non-valid victim, like, do you know what that benign document would, would be? Because in my mind, I'm just imagining it's a they're getting rickrolled uh, with that Rick Astley. <laughs> totally. <video. laughs> well, Opinions vary on to whether Rick Rowling is benign. I, I, I would say it's benign. I mean, I'm a fan, but I, I, mean, yeah, I guess it's subjective. It's better than getting, you know, a uh, lock bit on your, on your machine. That's for sure. So true. So I really want to know more about this blog. Uh, now, Kaspersky, like if you follow through to the uh, article that Kaspersky themselves published about this research. They have URLs for some of these blogs, examples of the, you know, the innocuous blogs that go to the people who aren't the intended victims, but they defang the URLs of those, uh, which I think is good practice in general. So they're saying they're innocuous, but they defang them. I don't blame them. I would do the same thing if I were publishing it. But uh, that being the case, I'm still a little wary of visiting those things on my own computer. I don't have a VM handy to go safely check those things out uh, as one typically does if they're checking out something sketchy. And also there's a pretty decent chance that those blogs would be in Korean, which is unfortunately not a language I'm familiar with. So I would, if I did get to them, I'd have to like rely on Google Translate and who knows, I don't know how well I'd be able to tell you whether these blogs would look legitimate or not. If they looked completely ridiculous, then of course that would potentially tip off their recipient that something weird was going on. I know if I happened to click on something that went to a blog that looked unexpected, then I would get all paranoid and figure that in the background, there'd probably been a drive-by download of malware into my system. Now that, that doesn't seem to have happened here because Kaspersky would have noticed that if it did happen. But anyway, so no, I guess it's going to be um, at least for me, a little mysterious as to what those blogs are. But, you know, if folks listening do have a VM that they use for checking out suspicious stuff, go check them out. 
let us know, see what you find. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and yes, if anybody does have access to a VM, please let us know. Uh, send it to us via Twitter at Domain Tools if you'd like. Um, so this information, as, as you mentioned, was shared by the, the folks at Kaspersky. But um, in the article, it was mentioned that they weren't able to get to the final payload. Um, so does that mean this particular scheme has more to it and we're, we're just not aware of it yet? Well, you know, the reason they weren't able to get to the malicious payload is, is basically because this thing is working, right? They weren't able to imitate the parameters of what would be considered one of those valid victims. So it does seem to suggest that this is working pretty well, because I would think that Kaspersky uh, would be, you know, they're going to be about as adept as, as anyone out there, uh, at least in the mainstream, in terms of spoofing a victim and trying to get around this uh, this is this scheme that's been set up. So, uh, but it makes me curious about whether, you know, Kaspersky is going to keep trying and they'll eventually get it or whether anybody else in the research community will be able to do that. Um, or who knows, maybe they'll get the cooperation of one of the uh, victims and they'll use a sacrificial machine to do it. I don't know, but it would be very interesting to find out what that final payload actually does. Absolutely. Um, so, Tim, do you, do you have any predictions on how this method of badness might influence other bad actors? That's a little tricky to predict. So what we do know is, you know, we've seen this initial Spearfish email. Um, so any future would-be victims at least potentially have a heads up about this kind of campaign if they have sufficient security awareness to know about this. That's a big if when it, when we're talking about the you know, all the individuals that might be targeted by Kim Suki, but at least the security teams that are protecting those individuals might be more likely to have some awareness of this. So now if you're another actor looking at this and thinking, do I want to do the same thing? Well, you know, in some respects, the cat is out of the bag on this. Um, for, for Kim Suki, their initial C2 infrastructure is going to get onto block lists. And the same thing could happen if you're another malicious actor that's trying to do the same thing. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of this because in spite of what I just said, it's not hard to imagine that this could have some effectiveness really in terms of keeping the malware, the ultimate malware out of the hands of researchers, which makes it just a little bit harder to defend against it. It makes it harder to develop things like antivirus signatures for it and whatnot. So yeah, I, you know, we'll keep an eye on it. And I wouldn't be surprised if we do see some copycats of this. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to keep an eye on this. Uh, and I think this kind of leads into our hoodie rating. Um, so um, if you're new to the show, um, just to catch you up, our hoodie rating is um, at the end of every um, article discussion, we will rate it from one to 10 hoodies, 10 being the worst problem you could possibly have, and one being it's it's really not that bad. Um, so so Tim, um, you know, having you know combed through this, what what would you say this uh, this article should receive uh, as its hoodie rating? This is a very interesting one to do the hoodie rating for because if you are not one of these victims, then the rating then it's 
it's basically zero. I think if, if everything Kaspersky is saying is correct, you don't get a malicious payload, nothing bad happens to you. So zero hoodies for most of us in the world. If you are one of the intended victims, we don't actually know what detonates on your system. So it's, we're, we're, it's a mystery there. So, uh, I think, you know, because we're talking to a general audience here, this has a hoodie rating of probably like one. And uh, the reason it's not effectively zero is, well, first of all, we, we hope that people of the profile of maybe the folks that are being targeted by Kim Suki are listeners to Breaking Badness. So that would, that would elevate it above the zero hoodie rating. And also, like we were talking about, uh, maybe we are going to see copycats of this in the future, and that could make the risk level go higher. But right now, as a general thing, I don't see this as a major risk. I do see it as a pretty interesting story, which is why we snagged it for the episode. But uh, a, a low hoodie rating for most of us. That makes a lot of sense. I didn't I didn't think about that as we were talking. But yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. That is a one out of 10 hoodie probably rating. But you know, we have somebody else on the podcast here too. Ian, you know, listening to this, what what would you say? You know, I, I got to disagree with Tim for the first time ever. Um, it, uh, yeah, yeah, we're about to throw hands. Um, Controversy, the, the Jerry Springer edition of Breaking Badness. Here it comes. Uh, I think the, the expertise with which this was carried out and just the, the image of a whole team of Kaspersky experts um, uh, stumped by the uh, inability to get to the final payload kind of captivates me along with uh, my inherent bias for anything that has a a domain generating algorithm connected to it. Uh, We were uh, able to see a lot of sunburst activity. We actually had a a whole report about sunburst uh, through Farsight DNSDB thanks to uh, uh, our ability to use regular expressions, which I'm now learning specifically for that reason and trying not to drive my head into the wall. So between the expertise, the ability to foil Kaspersky folks and the DGA thing, I'm going to give it a seven just for being a really sharp scalpel rather than a broadsword. I think that is, I'm, I'm all but certain that is the widest spread in hoodie ratings that we've ever had on Breaking Badness. So you heard it here first, folks. Um, but Ian, your reasoning is really good. I, you know, I, it makes me semi want to change my rating because you make a convincing case, but I'm not going to change it because, Hey, the novelty of having a six point difference between the two hoodie ratings is just kind of fun. Also no takesy backsies. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, that's just a general principle if you operate with integrity, which, you know, we do try to do here. And I think that's even in the UN Charter of Human Rights, so we might as well respect it. There is a takesy-backsies clause. I'm, I'm certain you're correct about that. Well, thank you so much, Tim. Um, we will be uh, right back after a quick break. Hey there, Breaking Badness listener. We hope you are enjoying the show. And if you are, we hope you'll do those things that, well, probably all your favorite podcasters ask you to do, which is go out to your favorite podcast platform and throw us a review and uh, maybe a rating. And while you're at it, why not tell a friend or two about Breaking Badness? We hope you're enjoying it, and we sure are glad that you're here with us. So with that, let's get back to the show. 
And we're back. We'll be talking about Octopus in this next segment. Multi-factor authentication is often brought up as a good method for security, but research shared by Group IB shows what happens when it's intercepted by bad actors. So Ian, let's start at the beginning, as it's always a very good place to start. How did this attack begin? This attack began in the shade. No, really. Uh, Sometime around March, uh, the actor that's currently termed Octopus that we don't know a lot about began setting up domains targeting corporate Okta instances and other single sign-on mechanisms with uh, new domains such as mailgun-okta.com or okta-tmobile.org. We can see a big uptick in those domains starting around June 8th or so, and it it really hit our radar actively on June 13th. I had set up a um, Octomonitor in Iris Detect after their uh, previous issue with Lapsus uh, breaching a subcontractor, but I hadn't been checking my monitors. Uh, I kind of let it soak a bit. Uh, Then I checked it around June 13th, and it became clear that there was a coordinated campaign targeting Okta instances across a ton of different companies and industries, but especially centered around service-centered companies like MailChimp and HubSpot, cryptocurrency companies, and telecommunications companies like T-Mobile. We focused on the T-Mobile domains in particular at that point, which you can see in the at Security Snacks account that put out the intel at the time. Um, Once fished, uh, some remote administration gear was delivered along with info stealing malware that reported back to a particular telegram channel. Through, Through monitoring that channel, Group IB was able to pretty cleverly tell whose credentials had been fished. Gotcha. And and we don't know who's behind this attack yet, correct? Uh, in public, we don't. Um, Group IB was able to do some substantial detective work that led them to a possible identity of uh, a principal actor involved, but that hasn't been released yet. It'll be interesting to see what comes out, given that some of the initial analysis pointed to a less sophisticated actor, but Uh, that they were able to pivot so quickly through Twilio and that they targeted uh, a journalist in particular may speak otherwise. Interesting. So so how did the researchers um, figure out what phishing kit was being used? Uh, Group IB pulled the entire phishing site, probably a couple samples, in fact, to analyze it and run its image signature through VirusTotal, which helped lead them from the site to the Telegram channel. Thanks, Ian. Um, Do we know um, who the threat actors are targeting? There was a great breakdown of targets by sector on the uh, linked report. I'm sure we'll uh, put the web link in the uh, show notes. Software companies dominated at 53%. uh, Telecoms were at 22% and business services at 21%. And from there, it broke down further across finance, education, retail, and more. The big focus was definitely software, telecoms, and business services not just to compromise them directly, but to act as uh, a whole waterfall in which early compromises created the opportunity for hacks further downstream. Gotcha. So given that information where software companies, you know, are dominating the 
the targeted list, you know, what had, do we know how extensive, you know, the damage is so far or is that still, does that remain to be seen? Uh, both. We, we've only just begun seeing the effects, but what we're seeing is uh, pretty significant. The real knock-on so far is Twilio, which is a service that assists with authentication methods, including sending text messages of one-time uh, passwords and passcodes. The actor, once they compromised Twilio, was able to intercept those one-time pads from multiple services including the encrypted messaging app Signal. Um, in fact, at least one journalist has already come forward and stated his Signal account was taken over for a 14-hour period during this, um, or likely as a result of the hack. We've seen downstream effects on Cloudflare as well, and just today DoorDash came out with a statement admitting compromise. Not DoorDash? That's, uh, that's upsetting to hear. Um, but also, um, if listeners um, are familiar, um, if you if you keep up with the show, you know that last week uh, we had Daniel Schwalbe on the show, um, who also um, had talked about the the Twilio breach um, in detail. So if you haven't had a chance, that was episode one twenty nine. Um, but Ian, so so can you talk a little bit about the recommendations for mitigations in this situation, which? Man, that felt like it rhymed, but it didn't necessarily. Well, rec recommendation number one is probably to continue listening to Breaking Badness. <clears throat> I mean, that just goes without saying. Um, Check. Got it. Uh, especially if Daniel Schwalbe on. And I'm not just saying that because he's my boss, but I might be just be saying that because he's my boss. Yeah, you're um, just saying that because he gave you 20 bucks. We know the re reality. Oh, I'm more expensive than that, Tim. Um. So I'm going to sound like a company guy here, but uh, every Monday or so I do a thread of shady looking domains on Twitter. It takes about half an hour to put together across a whole bunch of companies and industries that uh, I continue to watch. One corporation could pretty easily defend all its brands with a set of uh, detect monitors an hour or two a week. It's the easy button option for uh, detection and investigation coordination. But you can also go close to the source and do things like uh, my esteemed colleague Aaron G. Clough suggested, which is getting access to the .com, .net, and .org zone files from VeriSign and doing a diff between those daily. Unfortunately, that doesn't cover a lot of top-level domains that don't publish zone files. Um, long story short, if you establish and test your own monitoring, you see campaigns targeting your assets and services pop up. You can respond in a much more timely and surgical manner, whether it's warning your employees and user base, take down requests, or further investigation to identify the bad actors that are targeting you. Another really good mitigation here is preemptively registering domain names around your brand and software you use. So if I was T-Mobile, registering a bunch of combinations of Okta and T-Mobile across a lot of top-level domains to make it harder for a bad actor to register and use a believable domain name, a domain name that a user would look on, look at and click thinking it was you. Since the octopus details came out, I've seen a huge increase in companies doing those preemptive registrations around Okta and similar assets so that they control those domains from the start. I've also seen Twitter doing similar for months, uh, proactively registering a lot of 
support health and security related domains with Twitter in them to prevent bad actors from using them. So uh, I, I definitely yeah, want to give a big shout out to Twitter because that's a huge step in the right direction. Um, unfortunately, it's very much a whack-a-mole process. So monitoring is extra important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so given all of this information, Ian, uh, we are going to head into the hoodie rating for, for this particular article. Um, what would you say from one to 10 hoodies you, you would rate this as? I'm going to go middle of the road and say a five because there were some missteps in how they configured their fishing kit, which made people think that they, they might not be an experienced uh, malicious actor. But their ability to so quickly pivot through different compromises and use one to uh, move on to the next makes me think that they may be more sophisticated than people are giving them credit for. So yeah, I'm going to go five hoodies. Gotcha. That, I, that makes sense. I, I really want to always say, I agree with that. I agree with that. It makes sense. But um, Tim, what would you say um, after listening to this? I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, <laughs> You're just saying no, that because I, I, I think, said it. <laughs> I think there's going to be kind of a, you know, a period of time here and where this, the threat from this is elevated because they are, it's very active campaign. And, you know, you, you only have to necessarily trick one person in order to create some real damage, depending on, you know, what unfolds after they initially fall for it. So, um, so I'm going to put it at six for now. Super encouraged to hear what Ian said about the defensive domain registrations that are happening, though, right now from companies. And it's just a good reminder that uh, keeping an eye on not just things that spoof your own organization, but things that spoof any part of any of the third parties that have a critical role to play in your uh, in your ecosystem is extremely valuable. And it can be one of the you know, easier ways to stay ahead a little bit of what might be going on out there in threat land. But anyway, put me down for six hoodies for this one. You guys are a lot closer on this one. There's a lot more agreement happening. Well, you know, with, with Ian's going right in the middle, there was no way that I could replicate the, uh, the widespread of the first one uh, without breaking our scale and going to 11, uh, which this, this attack just doesn't quite merit. So yeah. Yeah, a little bit uh, closer there. That makes sense. All right. Well, thank you, Ian, for for discussing that uh, on the on the show today. Uh, and with that, I think we can head into um, the two truths and a lie portion of the show. Um, so, if uh, again, if you're unfamiliar with the show, if it's your first time listening, um, we play two truths and a lie at the end of every show. Uh, where we have one designated deceiver um, who will share three industry articles where two of them will be true and one of them will be the lie. So this week, um, our liars uh, slash designated deceiver uh, will be Mr. Tim Helming. Tim, are, are you ready to share uh, share your three articles with us? Well, first, I just want to point out that I will be more truthful than lying since two of these will be true. Twice as many of the statements I'm about to give you are true. 
than false. So I That's just I, I'd like to point that out. Uh, but yeah, uh, and I will I'll also further say that all of these headlines I'm about to read are ones that I made up in the sense that the headline writers don't really have nearly as fun with these stories as they could. So I'm doing that for them. Statement number one, Saskatchewan Kenobi, net Jedi's quick thinking thwarts ransomware attack against the city of Saskatoon. Statement number two, there's a hole in the bit bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza, Atlassian discovers another critical vulnerability. Statement number three, you may not know where Montenegro is, but some attackers sure do, and they compromise state infrastructure of that country. Oh, Tim, you wily one. You're throwing me off with your colorful commentary. That may or may not be on purpose. <sighs> you got me. I feel yeah, like we I'm... ought to be extra careful this time. <laughs> By the way, I liked, I liked the in the garden reference, uh, Ian. I don't know how many people kind of picked up on that, but that was good. Thank you. Thank you. I think we're aging ourselves here. A little bit. Um, this is tough. Can you read them again? I will certainly read them again. All right, here we go. Statement number one. Saskatchewan Kenobi. Net Jedi's quick thinking thwarts ransomware attack against city of Saskatoon. Statement number two. There's a hole in the bit bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. Atlassian discovers another critical vulnerability. Statement number three, you may not know where Montenegro is, but some attackers sure do, and they compromised state infrastructure of that country. Hmm. It makes, first of all, it makes me sad. Your your headlines are so good, and I feel like there's just, I think other people want to be that creative, and there's just somebody, you know, not that's not getting through, like like the red tape of of the authors so yours are way could, more fun they could come be a a guest on breaking badness if they're yes. if they're frustrated with not being able to take those creative liberties they can do that here absolutely so i'm gonna i feel like one or the first or the second and i I'm going to go with number one is the lie. And that's where I stand. I think I'm going to agree with Callie. I, I think she, her uh, uh, instincts are right on here. Um, so uh, I, I think you're uh, steering us towards Canada. Oh, okay. Well, you are the Jedi because you were both correct. Well, done. yes. Ooh, yeah. I love winning. Oh my God. Sorry. I'm, I'm playing for two here. I'm playing for me and I'm playing for Kelsey. <laughs> yeah, this is the first time I won't have disappointed Taylor. So I'm pretty stoked. <laughs> well, so. well, it's uh, it's very, uh, very well played, you all. And, um, you know, I'm just relieved not to have to be the liar next time around. Yes, I think uh, when we come back, I think it's my turn again. No. It remains to be seen who will be the designated deceiver next time. But this has been really fun. Tim, those were amazing headlines. Um, five stars, no notes. 
Uh, would not change a thing about those. Um, and thank you so much, Ian, for, for joining us again. I think this is maybe your third time being on the show. You can correct me if I'm wrong. That sounds right, but time kind of bleeds together right now. So I know. we'll go with three, too. Yeah. But it's always fun having you on the show. And, you know, like last week, it was fun having your boss, Daniel, on the show as well. So, um, yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed uh, enjoyed the show. And uh, we will be off um, next week for um, the Labor Day holiday. Um, but we will be returning the following week, which is the 12th. And um, or the 14th for those in listener land. Oh, yes. <laughs> I am thinking about when we record the show. We will be recording it on the 12th and then coming back on the 14th. So thank you, Tim. And uh, yeah, so we should be having uh, Taylor back by that point in time. I believe I will still be filling in for Kelsey one more week before she returns from her very well-deserved PTO. Um, So thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Like Tim had said in his message, if you liked it, please hit subscribe and um, please tell a friend about it. And uh, do you guys want to say anything before we go? I want to say it's been swell working with you both. Yeah, just always a great opportunity. Thank you both. And thanks everyone for listening. Yes, thank you, everybody. Have a great week. Ciao for now. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. <laughs>